The following is an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works. This is the Building a Leadership Culture podcast, hosted by Bruce Gresham, the Principal Strategic Advisor of Applied Vision Works. An in-depth look at how Bruce and President Don Hadley help businesses reach their long-term goals. Here's your host, Bruce Gresham. Welcome to Building a Leadership Culture Podcast, brought to you by Applied Vision Works. I'm your host, Bruce Gresham, and today we have Kurt Price of The Price Company. That's spelled P-R-E-I-S-S, The Price Company. The firm, which can be found at tpco.com, is the largest provider of off-campus student housing in North Carolina and manages properties uh, serving 43 different university markets across 13 different states. They really uh, stretch coast to coast. Kirk, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. And I'm happy to be here. So give us a little bit of background on your career and the Price Company. Well, I guess I'll I'll start with um, some personal background. And I know the um, theme here is is culture. So I think somehow by knowing my um, sort of background and then the way the company was started, it'll give everyone a sense of what the culture is. And then we can talk about some of the aspects of our culture. So to start with, I was, uh, I'm a baby boomer, born in 1950. I grew up in the Bay Area of California. Dad got a job in New York. So I switched the California culture to the upstate New York culture, which were completely different when I was in junior high, which is a tough time to do that. Then uh, just when I got used to the New York culture, he told me that he was with IBM and he said they'd all moved down to Raleigh, North Carolina. I said, the South? He said, yeah. I said, oh, okay. So uh, we moved down there and I went to high school at, in Raleigh, Broughton, Raleigh. I um, graduated and went to UNC at Chapel Hill where I studied math and uh, the social aspects of uh, the fraternity. And... <laughs> Which Met one, my which wife, one did my you do more, year, math, or, math or the fraternity? Then. I think I focused on the, on the social and fraternity back then. Um, <laughs> and I the reason I picked math was not uh, because I wanted to do anything with it particularly, but uh, um, you don't have to do that much work if you if you understand. You know, once you pass the test, uh, with English, you know, there's a lot of writing and a lot of stuff like that. Business has a lot of work to do, accounting, that kind of stuff. And math had more uh, ability, for more free courses I could take and more things I could do. And so tell me a little bit about how, tell me a little bit about (laughs) your early career and and the price company starting up. Really when I, career wise, um, when I got, after I met Donna, we got married, I went up to Washington DC and taught at a private school, a boarding school for uh, about six years actually. And it was pretty fun up there. I really enjoyed it. You know, the three good reasons for teaching June, July, and August. And you give <laughs> anyway, um, I did get my master's. We had some kids. I got a master's degree in theoretical math. So yeah, tell me a little bit about your early career and uh, how the, the price company came about. Yeah. So, so actually uh, what happened was I uh, left teaching and uh, went to NASA. Um, at that time, satellites were in. Um, we worked on a uh, top secret project called GPS, Global Positioning System, which would use the satellites that we had up there back in the 70s uh, and then try to determine where things were on the earth. And so it became pretty good. And then after that, I uh, got, a, got um, I, well, she wanted to get down to 
North Carolina, came down to Raleigh, North Carolina, and worked with uh, the power company because they were trying to do nuke plants, a brand new idea of nuclear energy. And there were some problems, Three Mile Island and meltdowns, and they needed somebody to do the mathematics to make sure those things didn't melt down. And so I got involved in that. And then, uh, and I was there a few years, and then I got a chance to work on the internet with uh, IBM. So I was involved in all the, the internet and the standards that give you this internet today that allow us to do what we're doing. So was Al Gore on your team too? Yes, he was. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> that poor guy. He, he actually, one, one wrong quote, one wrong <laughs> mistake. Yeah. He actually invented it. I just, you know, helped. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but but that's the that's the in, in terms of culture, I experienced so many different cultures. Um, teaching is a, is a, is is one kind of culture of, of people. Um, NASA, bunch of rocket scientists, a different culture. CPNL, public utility, had a different corporate culture. Really, uh, they really you think that that a, a utility would be uh, really all about generating energy, but they weren't. They were really more about rate hikes and politics and things like that. So, you know, you learn these cultures as you get into it. Uh, and then IBM, of course, big giant company had its IBM culture. We started wearing white shirts and ties. And in the end, we we're wearing Mickey Mouse shirts because Microsoft was eating our lunch. So, you know, <laughs> you change your culture, you do whatever. Um, but anyway, my uh, wife was teaching and we both had a passion for real estate. We both like playing Monopoly and those games. And, so um, she ended up leaving teaching. She was so good and she had such a passion for uh, buying and, and real estate. And so we bought our first rental property in 1982. 1982, we bought our first rental property and we managed it ourselves. We tried to lease it up ourselves. We kind of couldn't afford to you know, do anything more than that. And, and it worked out pretty well. Uh, and then, we want, then she wanted to buy more. So we bought some more and she was really good at it. Problem was you need equity to go into those things. So we started partnering with her parents, friends, uh, college friends and doing these partnerships. And it got to the point where we still didn't have any equity. We were totally bought up on everything. And so I said, Donna, why don't you try to you get your broker's license and, and sell others on this stuff. Uh, and so, we got a bunch of investors that got interested in this. We started the company in 1987, and it was really just Donna, one person company, uh, but she was pursuing her passions and she was getting these places and she's getting them for others. And uh, a couple of the, our investors that were, we were selling places to and everything said that they wanted to work with her. So we started kind of like a club. It was like a, we're partnering together to see what stuff they could find out there and, and buy it. So it, it, was a, um, it was a true partnership and the culture was very kind of clubbish. And, and, I, and I continued to work at IBM. We needed the salary to you know, support this stuff. But uh, she and Jim and Rhonda had, you know, they got going there and she and Jim were more salespeople wanted to buy. And Rhonda was more of a person that uh, uh, she was more operations kind of, she had the rental properties and she did all her own stuff. And, and, and Donna made her a deal. She said, Rhonda, um, if you uh, will all throw in on this thing. And if you, if you'll handle the books and you'll handle the front desk and, 
and all that kind of stuff. Not so much the management because we all manage our own as far as leasing uh, and, and maintenance and stuff. But if you'll do those things, uh, Jim and I will give you 10% of all the money that this company makes. We'll give you 10%. You know, And so, and, and from those kind of humble beginnings of one property and three employees to now, you have all these properties across, you know, 13 different states and it equates to 33,000 beds for, for students. What kind of culture did you and Donna and the rest of the team create then? And then how has it changed or how have you maintained it as you've grown? As, as time went on, we got more and more investors. And by the year 2000, we had probably 100 investors and a couple hundred properties that were managed. And by that time, we had to have, we had about 10 people in the company. Okay, so and now we have 600. So we had 10 people. We had Becky, the bookkeeper, Marianne, the manager, office manager and stuff. And we, we had a, um, so there was an area of about five salespeople, but we had the exact same culture at that point as we did before. And that was that everybody, it's all for one, one for all, um, in a very sort of family culture. It, we were all not, it wasn't just about business. It was about all of our lives and what we were doing. Okay, so- You really have a great, from- us speaking previously, it really seems like, to your point, you've built a culture that's built around not just business and um, growing and, and executing well, but really kind of a family a family culture. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, and so that, what I would say about culture is millions of different cultures, there's thousands of different cultures. There are cultures and subcultures and all those kinds of things. And the fact of it is that, that um, each culture is unique. So you can't just say, well, ah, that's the culture to make a lot of money in real estate. Let's get that culture. This is this, the uh, stock exchange uh, culture. This is what you have to do if you want to make money. If you're chasing money uh, and you think you're going to do it with culture, you really need the culture first to be successful, I think, and be happy. So, so that's what we, you know, that's uh, basically we've had that culture. Now, how do you do that with 600 people? across the country. Well, we weren't even at that point really into student housing, but at that point, we realized that around the universities, the, um, that's when, that's where all of the, uh, the students want those houses right across from campus so bad, they were willing to pay large amounts. And that's where, that was the biggest cash cow we had was those student housing. So we had all of our investors doing that. The owners of those houses, wouldn't sell them. The supply was nothing because they wanted too much money because they were renting places that ought to be sold for about $100,000 for about $300,000. So that's when we got into building them. And we took down a bunch of land, partnered with a, um, a builder, and we built 400 kitty condos. We call them kitty condos. Parents could buy them or, or, or investors, our investor group. <clears throat> and it was, uh, we built 400 in Raleigh, and then we ended up going to Clemson and building 400 there. And that was our launch pad to student housing and to that culture, the student culture. And then that led us to equity partners that built the company that we have today, which is probably 95% or more really just student housing apartments and not any houses or single family, anything. But we have still kept the same old crew 
we did the single family houses because we're a family and they like to do it and it is uh, somewhat profitable. So um, that's what this company is about. It's about people coming together like Donna did with Jim and Rhonda back in the beginning, finding uh, something they can all do together and realizing that they can be happier and, and make more working together than working individually. So you know, uh, that, that's great that you've kept people on, even though maybe it's not your core business, it's still something that folks like to do. And as you've grown and integrated, you haven't kind of left those other people behind. You know, one thing that I've really found interesting about your background is you've worn many, many hats uh, within the Price Company, um, working alongside Donna and the rest of the team. But, but tell, tell me a little bit about uh, the chief fund officer role that you've, that you've held. <laughs> well, the way that came about was as we got larger, at first, um, Donna, my wife Donna, was the president and CEO. She's great at uh, speaking. She's great at being a CEO and all that stuff. And I'm more of an operations kind of guy. And so I took the other stuff, which is the basically the IT, which I had a background in, uh, the um, operations, the property management operations, the um, uh, human resources, and all that kind of stuff. So I was, I was the CFO and chief financial officer handled all the finance and she just went out and find, found stuff to buy, spoke for the company, did the CEO stuff. And I just made sure we had enough money to keep going. So I did the CFO, but that was also all bundled in under CFO was HR, uh, marketing, uh, operations, and which, you know, at first it wasn't too many people, but then it became just part of the departments of people. So, and, but at a certain point, and we always had the same, culture sort of in the corporate when you manage a property you have about 10 or 12 people you've got some maintenance people you've got uh, a manager and assistant manager you've got some leasing people so you have a um, it's almost like you know you look at a McDonald's restaurant or something there's a little team there and so how do you know that little team's going to have the same culture as the home office does now you know that all the little teams are going to have the same culture and as you're investing in these properties and you're maybe inheriting some people how do you know that, uh, you know, they'll just be different, just just different basic culture? Well, they all are different because they're all little different subcultures. But the concept of sort of one for all, all for one, no politics, everybody authentic, everybody's trying to help everybody be the, the best that they can be. Uh, servant managers who are, you know, hope to grow their people to take over and all that kind of stuff is fundamental to all of them. And so as I got a guy that had taken companies public and everything to take the role as chief financial officer and he became the CFO and I, I traveled around to all the sites and I would hang out with them and sort of get to know them personally and what they wanted out of life. That's important. Every person in the company, why are they doing this job? Do they love it? What do they like? What don't they like? Let's get them doing what, you know, the three things you need in a job that make you happy in a job. You gotta, you gotta love what you do and have it give you, kind of have your personality involved in it and into the point where it's, you know, you feel good about yourself and you love doing it and it's, it's your passion. You have to love the people you're with. You just love them like family. You'd give anything for them. If something goes wrong and, and 
some big chief comes in and says, all oh, right, who, whose fault is this? They all raise their hand. It's all my fault, all, all our faults. You know, uh, everybody's got everybody's back. Everybody cares about everybody. They love it. So that's, you know, that, that's, you know, you, that culture needs to be there. And, and it generally is, but I would go to the sites and, and, you know, check it out. So ultimately when I stepped down, step, not down, stepped up from the financial <laughs> officer to the chief fund officer, I told the company and told everybody, look, you know, you spend all your time working. It's gotta be fun. Because if you're not having fun working, then you need to find something. It could be the job, could be the people, could be the, just the, um, the, could be the boss, could be the whatever. But working is something you're going to spend most of your waking hours doing. And if that's the case, you need to really enjoy and feel good. So I'm going to be in charge of happiness and fun in this company. And that's going to be my main thing. And that's a, that's a big, some people call it the chief culture officer, other things, but it, not a more fun to just call it the chief fun officer. So that's that's how that got out, and everybody really liked it because they kind of got tickled by it. Because I'd come out to a site, and uh, I'd always go out to the site and say, "Look, you know we're all family here and everything. If your best friends came in from out of town and you want to do something tonight, that's the only night I'll be here. Um, I'll take you din- to dinner, or we can go do whatever you want. I don't care, paintball, bowling, you know." I'm going to go to a concert. I don't care. But if your best friend came in, where would you all go? What would you all do? And don't worry about anything, what it costs or anything else. Let's just have some fun tonight. And as a chief fun officer, you know, that's what I'm here for. And then they go, wow, cool. Yeah, so they do this thing. I go out to San, San Diego. I like to surf. So when I go out, out there, uh, the first thing I do in the morning when I first get up to I get up with people from the site. We go surfing, talking about stuff, see how they are. I can help them. And uh, that's sort of the, the way the company is. Anybody pick up the phone and call the chief operating officer or myself or, or the regional or whatever. We're, every, everybody's got a voice in this company. It is a company of the people, by the people, for the people. It's very much like what uh, we left the kings and queens in England uh, back in the... Uh, back in revolution because people wanted freedoms. They wanted uh, a government that cared about them. They, they wanted to, uh, free, uh, to be able to do stuff. And um, so we, the same analogy for uh, business, we really, it's really about them. And I, I think I've, as I've said before, the number one important thing in this company are the people in this company, not the customer. Well, Kirk, congratulations on the incredible business that you and Donna and the team have built with such an awesome culture that really, you know, helps drive things forward and treats your customers and and these students oh so well. Thank you for your time today. And thank you folks for listening to the Building a Leadership Culture podcast brought to you by Applied Vision Works and hosted by WPTF 680 AM. You've been listening to the Building a Leadership Culture podcast with Applied Vision Works Principal Strategic Advisor, Bruce Gresham. Questions, concerns? Please email Craig Chase at cchase at appliedvisionworks.com or call 800-786-4332. This has been an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works.